Okay, so let's jump into the scriptures today. Um, I want to talk about plundering the gates of hell. Amen? Amen. Guys, are we ready? Amen? All right, I need you with me. Um, We met with Graham Cook several years back, and we had a lunch with him at our house. And one of the things that we talked about, he said, you know the problem with the church in America today He said, the problem is that the church in America is supposed to be a mighty, powerful army of the Lord, advancing the work of the Lord on earth, plundering the gates of hell, moving forward, taking new territories. He said, the problem is the church in America today, we have churches on every single corner. And right now we have better communicators than we've ever had ever in the history of the world. And on almost any street corner in America, you can go on a Sunday morning and hear one of the most amazing sermons that you've ever heard in your whole life. And you'll be motivated and inspired and the most amazing worship and the most amazing everything. And they're like, go this way. Give your life to this. Do this. Do this. And so the whole church is like, oh, okay. I better go this way. You start running after this one thing. You come back six hours later. Same church. New message. Go this way. Yeah, we're going to go this way. Three days later, go that way. Okay, okay. Oh, go this way, that way. And, And instead of being an army where the church pushes forward consistently, The church has become an audience whose main expectation, according to the way that sermons are given, is to cheer and root and holler and yay, but not necessarily to do anything with the message that we're hearing. And what he was telling us, the the question came up, I said, okay, you just did this amazing conference, you brought these amazing teachings, what would you do next if you were the pastor of this church? And he said, you know, anytime I bring in somebody who has a tremendous anointing on their life, who's bringing a fresh word to the church, they'll share it, and then for the week after I literally will not preach again I will only mill over what they've been talking about over and over and over until that works into who we are until we become that like an army and we move forward okay so that's always stuck deep in the back of my mind and deep in my heart and that's what we try to do that's why this whole semester is all about loving people loving people loving people loving people trying to pound it in as hard as we can right So that's the vision, is not to be an audience, but the vision is for us to be an army that listens to the Lord about what he wants to do, and we move forward with it. So one of Randy's messages at the Network Advance, if you don't know, our church is a part of uh, Randy Clark's network. It's called Apostolic Network of Global Awakening. I'm licensed under his ministry. Um, So we we went a couple days early to hear what they had to say just for the Anga churches and, and ministries. One of the things Randy was talking about was um, just so much my heart. If you've ever heard me talk about the bunker church, this idea where we go into, we get saved, and then we come into this safe bunker, and we stay protected. Oh, my gosh, it's crazy out there in the world. Don't go out there. Stay here with us. And, and we just hole up until Jesus comes, and how it's the literal opposite of what Jesus wants, and it's something that Satan loves his bunker churches because every single time somebody comes into a bunker church, he has more freedom to do whatever the heck he wants out in the world, right? So Randy starts talking about that a little bit, not in those same words, but he gives this message about the gates of hell, and he says, the gates of hell shall not stand against the church. You don't know that scripture? We'll talk about it here in just a second. And he asked this question, he said, you know, the church is supposed to be an army, the church is supposed to go out and to do the work of the kingdom, to, to do miracles and to do healings and to see people who are far from God come close to God. He said, here's my question for your churches, are you plundering the gates of hell? And it was like, <laughs> right? In my heart, I was just like, 
Wow, and he starts talking. I'm not talking about the plunder from last year. I'm not talking about the plunder from five years ago. What are you doing right now? What's the plunder? How are you plundering the gates of hell? And then he asked this question. He said, when you look around your church, what are the trophies that you have hanging in your church from where you as a church body have gone in and plundered the gates of hell and you have taken back from Satan the things that are Jesus' rewards? Okay, those are your trophies, if you will. And it just stirred me up like, yes, that's absolutely who we are called to be. That's what we're called to do. And I think we have a, a lot of trophies, if you will. I mean, when we look back over the last couple years, cancer healed, blind eyes, tons of healings and salvations. But I don't want last year's trophies. We need this year's trophies, right? We've got to be a people that move forward and are advancing the kingdom of God radically in a practical way in this area. And there's seasons and there's times, and so we've been trying to be very patient with the seasons and paying attention to the seasons of the Lord, and the season of the Lord is learning to love each other really well. But in the midst of it, we also got to keep right on the forefront of our mind, we're also an army that's, that's here to go forward and to plunder the gates of hell. Amen? So let's look at a few scriptures. Um, and then we're going to turn a corner here. So John chapter 10, verse 9. John chapter 10, verse 9. It says this. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm going to just keep reading. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. All right. But I want to talk about gates for a minute. So John 10, 9. Jesus said, I am the gate. He's talking about the sheep coming into the fold. And he said, if you try to come into the fold through another way, you try to jump over the fence, that's not legit. you got to come in through the gate. And then he goes on to reveal, I myself am the gate. I am the way that you come into the fold of God. Matthew 16, verses 18 through 19. It says, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. So uh, we've talked about this a bunch, but the idea for me years and years and years in the making was you are the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right? And so I thought, yeah, the church has these huge gates and hell can't ever get through those gates. Anybody else ever had that thought? Okay. You can all raise your hand because I know you're not all that smart. <laughs> but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says hell has gates put up against you, against the church. And when the church advances forward, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against the church moving forward. Okay? That's what Jesus is talking about. So Jesus is the gate. Hell has gates. Genesis 28, 11 through 19, it's Jacob's dream. 
And Jacob goes to this place and he lays down and he lays a rock down and he has his dream and the heavens open. He sees a stairway and God speaks to him. He begins to speak, this is who you really are. You're not a lying deceiver. This is who you are. And he sees the angels coming and going. And then when he wakes up, he says, wow, surely God, in this, God is in this place. This is Bethel, the house of God. And then he says, surely this is the gate of heaven. Okay. So Bethel is the gate of heaven. Jesus is the gate. The enemy has gates. The church, the house of God, is also the gate of heaven. Okay? Ephesians 2.6. God raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Why? Verse 7 says, In order that in the coming ages he might display the surpassing riches of his grace. Verse 10, he says, We are God's handiwork or masterpiece, or workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay? So we are currently, if you know Jesus, if you walk with Jesus, you are currently sitting in heaven in Jesus next to God the Father. Okay? So your body is here and your spirit is here, but your spirit is also in Jesus, sitting next to God right now. And God created you in Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. What are the good works? The good works are you advancing his kingdom on the earth through love and through power, plundering the gates of hell, okay? Now, if Jesus is the gate and you are in Jesus, you are created in his image, you also are a gate to the one and only living God, okay? So the church is a gate. The enemy has gates. Jesus himself is the gate, and you, with Jesus, are a gate to the living God. Bethel was and is a gate to heaven. Jesus is the gate. We are in him and with him and like him. Therefore, we ourselves are also like a gate to heaven, and Satan's gates cannot stand against the church. Hooray! But, everybody say buts. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Let's go read that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in that house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. All right? So we know the gate. We have access to the gate. We are a part of the gate, and we cannot be stopped. We have all this going for us. We have this amazing stuff backing us up. But if we keep our light hidden under a bushel or under a bowl, what good is it? What's the point? What are we doing? Right? You can have all that stuff backing you up. But if we are not being strong, bold lights in the world around us, everywhere we go in our day-in, day-out lives, what's the point? If the church itself is not being a strong, powerful light, what's the point? It's a waste. It's hidden. It doesn't make any sense, right? So I'm guilty, 100%. I'm guilty. 
I live my life and I stay comfortable pretty often and I love people really well, but I also don't like to be bothered too much and I don't want to be the weird one too often. Sometimes it's okay. And so oftentimes, like even with my business, I will work with clients for months and they may never know that I'm a pastor. I'm guilty. They don't get invited to church because I love our church. I'm comfortable with our church. I don't want them to feel weird, you know, or whatever. So I'm guilty. I do it all the time. Starbucks, I could be in, I could go to Starbucks for years. The same one over and over and over and over and over. And 95% of the staff would have no idea who I am or what I do, right? And they would have never been invited to church. I am totally guilty, 100%, okay? And every so often, the Holy Spirit will speak to me, and he'll say, go do this, and I'll try to be obedient, and I'll go do that. But that's not the norm, okay, for me personally, because I'm guilty, all right? This is nonsense. I don't know if anybody else relates to that, but according to the words of Jesus, and all that backs us up, and all that we are, and all that we're called to, this is nonsense, to hide our lights like this. It's, it's crazy. And I think if Jesus came in and took a good look, he'd say, guys, what are you doing? Like, you have the most beautiful thing in the universe. You know how to enter in and be with him. You hear his voice all the time. You know his power. You know his healing power. You know his strength. You know his might. You know his salvation. You know all these things, and you're hiding it. What are you doing? What? Guys, what are we doing? I don't know if anybody else feels that this way, but I'm so guilty. And the Lord says, this is nonsense. It's time to stop. When you have a light, when you have a bright light, did you know sometimes it's kind of obnoxious, right? Anybody ever been pulled over at nighttime? <laughs> Those lights are obnoxious. And there is no question what that light is. And it's blazing in your eyeball. And you're like, what the heck? Why do you have to shoot that giant, giant light in my eyes? Please stop. Come on. But the light, it's clear. It's powerful. You know exactly what it is. And it breaks through in the darkness. Okay? Sometimes our light needs to be a whole lot more like that. Sometimes I prefer my light. If I could turn off all the lights right now. I think I prefer this kind of light, just a nice, like, warm glow, you know. If you come close enough, maybe you can, like, see a fingernail because of it. But look at this, my light, it's shining, you know, isn't that great? But that's not the light that Jesus commands us to be. He commands us to be like a beacon in the night, like a lighthouse. When it comes across your eyes, you are blinded because it is so strong and so bright and so powerful. Amen? So, Jesus, I repent. We repent, and we want to be bright lights. We want to be bright lights for your kingdom. We just acknowledge corporately that we have access to the most beautiful, precious thing in the whole universe. And we repent corporately. We repent, God, for keeping it so hidden, for hiding so quietly, for keeping our lights totally covered up with blankets that it impacts and affects nobody. And we just want to say we're sorry. We want to be the lights that you had in mind when you spoke about this scripture. That you said it's like a city on a hill, like a light on top of a lampstand. We want to be a bright, blazing light that is clear for all around to see. That they, when they see us, they know exactly what the light is. And it affects everything in their lives. 
and it, it brings light into the dark places. And even if it's obnoxious and annoying to other people around, we say yes and amen because we want to be the type of light that you dream of us becoming. Just take a quick second in your heart. Just reflect. Ask the Lord to show you the truth and then repent. Holy Spirit, just reveal places where we have been totally fine being puny little lights. Maybe you have a few pictures pop in your mind, a few places where you go or people that you hide from. Father, we repent. We know that your command is to be a bright light, and we want to be a bright light everywhere that we go. So help us, Father. And we choose to obey you. When we, when we choose to live like these puny little lights, we are breaking the heart of God because he's given us the, the most amazing treasure that we could have ever hoped to have. His desire, his passion, his dream is that all would know, all would come into his gate. And so we all too often keep the gate closed and we keep it hidden and we camouflage the gate so that those around can't even find the gate. They wouldn't even know where to look if they walked past it all day every day, right? And it breaks the heart of God because we are on the earth to be gates to him, right? And to lead them into his presence, amen? So let's commit together not to be like that anymore. Let's commit together to be bright lights wherever we go. Holy Spirit, just convict us and challenge us. I want us to commit together to begin praying for people around us, to begin asking people around us to come to church or to come to community group or come to have coffee with you and talk about Jesus, whatever it is, ask and then bring. Pray, ask, bring. Everybody say, pray, ask, bring. Pray, ask, bring. Can we commit together to be a people that consistently prays, asks, and brings? Okay? So let's commit to be an open gate. We're called to grow and to influence. Let's link arms and go for it and welcome people into his family with warm arms of love. So take one more second and think about what family members around you need to come into the gate. You need to come in through your gate, come into this gate, come into Jesus. What family members do you have? What co-workers do you have? What clients do you have? What friends do you have? What neighbors do you have? What acquaintances do you have? What strangers do you have that need to be invited to come into the gate? Now close your eyes. Let the Holy Spirit put a few people on your heart. So let's commit to pray. You can say it out loud. It's okay. Pray, ask, bring. Pray, ask, bring. Pray, ask, bring. Pray, ask, bring. Okay. And I just want to take a pause. And I want to say I'm so unbelievably proud of Mr. John Teets. Because uh, if you all know Cecil, and you've been blessed by Cecil and Brandy and their family, John Teets was a bright light at his work, and he was 
just talking it up, being the mechanic, having fun with Cecil. Cecil just moved into town. He didn't know anybody. And John boldly invited him one day to come to church. Cecil came, got touched. Cecil and Brandy have not been back. I mean, they haven't left. <laughs> They've been here for, <laughs> they came once, they never came again. No, the opposite. They never quit coming. And I personally have been extremely blessed by these guys. And I'm so thankful to you, John, for getting the guts to talk and be a bright light, you know? You don't care. <laughs> I love it. It's awesome, man. I want to I be like that. Okay, so practicals. Last week we talked about practicals of loving people. And we talked about solar tea and you becoming people who are warm and caring and loving for people. And some of you identified your spouses as a one on a scale of one to ten of warmth. Um, today, I want, to, I want to look at the church being a warm place. What are the practical steps of the church being a warm place? If you guys all commit with me to pray, ask, and bring, there's going to start being a lot of new people coming through this building. Amen? And so when those new people come in, what are the practical steps of what this church needs to be like to be a warm, inviting place that when they come in the doors, they feel loved and cared for in a great way and they, continue, they want to come and be a part of the family, okay? That's what we're going to look at for just a minute, kind of part two of the sermon. So um, what's the, what, what, is, what would church be like in heaven? That's what we're going for this morning. So I'm going to be working practically hard to make the church become a bright, beautiful gate for all to come in. I want the church to have the biggest open door, metaphorically, in the whole city. I want it, when you walk by, or when you see anything about the church, I want it to feel so engaging and so inviting that it draws you in, and you feel like, I just want to stay here forever. This place is awesome. I don't want to leave. So I'm going to start doing some practical things to help the church become that. Here's a few of the practical things we're going to do. We're going to start spending, if you don't know, right now and from the beginning of the church, we spend 30% of our budget on giving, okay? So every dollar that comes in, we give 30% of that out. 10% goes to missions and advancing the kingdom of God directly, okay? 10% of it goes to compassion. People who have a need and, and, and need some help somehow, 10% of that money goes to there and then 10% of it is for us specifically to get up off our butts and advance the kingdom gospel uh, in this local church okay and so we've we've used that money for lots of different type things of advancing the gospel but one of the things we're going to start doing with that is we realize that about half of you guys have come to the church through the internet somehow you found out about the church through the internet and we're not very internet savvy, but we're going to learn how to be internet savvy because obviously it's a great place of growth where people out there are in Oklahoma City are hungering and thirsting for what you have to offer, right? I don't know if y'all feel this way, but I feel like what the Lord does in this place is amazing. I love it. And the worship, I love it. And the presence, I love it. And the healing, I love it. And when I come in, it just feels like, oh, yes, his presence is here. There's a lot of people in Oklahoma City looking for exactly what you guys have put together, okay? But they don't have a clue that we exist. They don't have a clue who we are or where we are. Or they don't know anything about it. And if they have seen us somewhere, they likely maybe haven't felt the most warm, inviting situation. So we're going to improve that, okay? So we're going to start working on spending a little bit of that outreach money to uh, internet type things to invite people in to be a part. 
We'll do it through Facebook and Google, different online type things. We're going to try to start doing better with print material as well, like banners and postcards and, um, you know, just stuff like that that engages people more. So we'll start giving you guys invites. When we have Keith Wheeler coming on December 5th, we're going to make up little business card invites to keep in your back pocket for the two weeks leading up to it. And you just hand them out to all your buddies. Come here, this guy. Come here, this guy. Come here, this guy. Right? Stuff like that. We're going to try to start getting a lot better at that. Um, and then we're also going to work on improving the building. Okay? Uh, when people come in, I want things to be extremely clear. So when I think of people coming in, I want the entrance to be extremely clear. If I'm coming for the very first time, which all of you have been for the first time, so y'all can all attest to me how true these things are that I'm saying, where do I go? How do I get in? What happens when I walk through that door? Who's going to be standing there waiting for me? Are they going to be nice or are they going to be scary? Are they going to say hi or are they not going to say hi? What do I do with my kids when I walk through the door? Where do I take my kids? This kid is this old. This kid is this old. What do I do with these kids? And then how long, what, or what time do I show up and how early do I show up? And all of these things that first-time people coming are thinking through all the time. We're going to try to button up all of that stuff. We're going to try to make the lighting better. We're going to try to make just everything, just pull it up a notch so that when you come in, you feel this is right and this feels good and I want to be here. Amen? So y'all can pray for me. Another thing that we're going to be doing is chairs. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. So right now we have, we've been given by Frontline Church uh, these chairs that you're sitting in and they're awesome. They've been a giant blessing to us when we had absolutely no money. Um, but we're going to change them out. We're going to give these to somebody else, and we're going to stop sitting on cardboard, and we are going to have some nice, comfortable chairs. So here's what we're going to I want to do that soon, too. Homero, Rachel doesn't even know this. I want to do this soon. Um, the chairs are 30 bucks a piece, okay? They've been nice, big, cushy chairs. I'd love for you guys, if you're able, to consider paying for your own chair in the church. And I want to start small. Because we're moving into a season of growth. We're learning how to love well. If we learn how to love well, the Lord's going to allow us to grow. I really believe that. So I want to start small. I want to order, say, give me just a second. I want to order, say, um, you know, I'm going to order an extra 30 for all the people that I'm going to bring. <laughs> but I want you guys to think about paying for your own chair, like this week or next week, and we're going to order them and get them done. Um, and then maybe we have 60 chairs. And then as we need more, we'll go ahead and order another 30 or whatever it is so that we can grow. And I really believe soon we're going to be closer to 100. And then when we get there, we get to move to another location, which I'm excited about. We won't talk about it right now. So, <laughs> chairs. Does that sound good? Is that doable? Or would y'all like to sit on more comfortable chairs? I feel like that's a very simple thing. But even simple things like that, I think, help people feel warm and welcome. I love to be here. I love to be in this place. Amen? So, uh, Cecil, what were you going to say? Okay. All right. Uh, you can tell me after. So, um, if you want to buy your own chair and you have a check today or you want to use credit card or whatever, you can give it to Homero later or next week if you want to. We're going to get on it. We're going to have new chairs soon. Okay. Next page. Other practicals. Our team, our, our leadership team is really going to be focusing on reaching out to people and just getting up off our butts and getting out there and on a daily basis reaching out to people, loving people, strangers and acquaintances and friends and neighbors and all that kind of stuff. We're going to really get after it and start going for it. Um, and then we're going to start doing more and more outreaches as well as the Lord leads. And right now we've been doing pretty much only outreaches across the street and if we feel like the Lord's leading us to other types of outreaches. That's why we're doing the outreach for Halloween the way that we are this year. Because we feel like the Lord wants us to not just reach out in one place, but kind of diversify outreaches. So we're going to start doing some different things like that. 
how I want a church to feel to a visitor as in heaven. So a visitor walks into a church in heaven, how do you think they would feel walking in, okay? That's what we're going for. So here's what I wrote down. Warm, friendly, clear, engaging, safe, okay? I want them to feel like warm and loved. I want it to feel like a friendly place. I want things to be extremely clear. I want it to be very engaging, and I want them to feel safe. So I'm going to explain from the moment they get invited to the moment that they leave the church. Here's what I want you guys to help create in this house. All right? You're all ready? Okay, so they get invited. And um, they, we give you a business card. Invite. Keith Wheeler. Carried the cross 22,000 miles around the world. He's going to be at Bethel OKC December 5th or whatever day that is, whatever Sunday that is, right? You hand it to your buddy at work, and they think, you know, I don't go to church anywhere. That'd be kind of cool to hear his story. I wonder what it's like. They go online. They check out the website. We want to put together very clear welcome for people on the website, maybe even a video that you guys can help us put together of, okay, driving up to the church. Where do I park? Um, let's leave space in the front for visitors coming up in the future. Let's have greeters out in the parking lot. Then they walk up to the front door. There's somebody outside at the front door greeting them. There's somebody in there with snacks, and when they walk in the door, there's gifts to be given, the mugs, and we have a a brochure about what the church is all about, the, the DNA of the church. They come on in. They are clearly communicated with where the kids go, and somebody helps their kids get to where they're supposed to be. Then we come into the service. When they come in here, and they generally show up quite a bit earlier than most of you guys do, so somebody comes in. You guys sit with them, and you talk with them, and you engage them, and you ask them questions about who they are and where they come from and how they learn about the church, and you be with them so they don't feel alone, isolated, all by themselves in this big old room, Okay. And then we have uh, worship. And during worship, there's, uh, I want us to be conscious of where people are at spiritually in the worship. I want you guys to engage with the Lord with all your heart in worship. At the same time, I want us to be conscious of the people around us and where they are comfortable engaging with the Lord. You remember last week we talked about solar tea and we talked about engaging people at the level that makes them most comfortable. You remember that part? Same type idea in worship, okay? So if I want to really go for the Lord in worship, but I have a visitor who is not comfortable with charismatic things, I will likely lean over and say, hey, uh, enjoy worship. I I'm, I'm probably won't even say anything, but I go to the back of the room and, and I worship how I want to worship with giving them space, okay? Um, so I'm going to pay attention to that. And I'm going to, when I worship, I pray in tongues. I sing in tongues. I, I pray. I say different things, right? But I'm also aware of what's happening corporately in the room, and I'm flowing with the same thing. So if we get real quiet, you guys did amazing today. We get totally silent. Sometimes we get totally silent, and then we want to, we want to like, start singing a new song or sing. Sometimes it's so powerful just to be quiet in the presence of the Lord, right? And so... I'm going to ebb and flow. I'm going to go with what's happening corporately and what the Holy Spirit's doing in me. I'm going to pay attention to those things. I'm going to be aware spatially of who's around me and how am I affecting their worship times. Now, that's specifically for Sunday mornings, okay? There's other times, like um, if we have, a, we have a special worship night, prayer and worship night on a Friday night, uh, no holds bar, 
come in, get after it, be with the Lord. But on Sunday mornings, we're trying to create an open environment where all these random people are coming in, and we're thinking, gosh, I hope, I hope we don't scare them off, you know, they never come back. Then we want to make an open environment during worship, okay? So then during the sermon, I want you guys, you do pretty good, but I have to push you sometimes. I want you to engage even more. All right? If I'm, if me or Rachel preaching, somebody else preaching, I want you to engage. I want you to be vocal. I want you to take notes. I want you to use your Bible and engage with it and help other people engage as well. And then during ministry time, engage people, especially visitors. Engage them warmly, warmly at their level. Ask direct needs. So if we have a time, hey, let's all pray for each other. If there's visitors in the room, be sure to go ask them, hey, I'd love to pray for you. Not like the whole group jump on them, but let's be loving and kind and warm so that they feel welcomed in the house, okay? Ask them direct questions. Do you have anything going on in your life? I wish I would learn this better uh, because honestly, you just never know what's going on in somebody's life. Last year, when we only had the one room, we had the, the stage over here and the chairs back over here. Uh, a guy came in from across the street that we'd ministered to a little bit. He'd been a couple times. I knew him. We were kind of acquaintances. He randomly showed up one day. And I thought, whoa, that's weird that he showed up, you know, because we didn't bite him a ton. Shows up, sits in the back corner by himself. Um, and I walk over to him, hey, man, what's going on? How you doing? And I just kind of did my normal you know, oh, good to hear, great, you know, hop on to the next person, whatever. What I didn't ask is what's going on in your life, how can I pray for you? Because the next day he was going to jail, right? He got out of jail, and a couple weeks later he got shot and killed. And I don't know where he is. I don't know if he ever had Jesus in his heart. But he was in my house, in my place, and I had the opportunity to pay attention and ask better questions, and I didn't, and I missed it, you know? And when people are coming to church, especially for the first time, you never know what's going on in their life, what's going on in their world. Some people are doing awesome, and there's nothing going on. It's not a big deal. Some people are hurting and in pain, and they need what you have to offer. They need to come into the gate to be with the Father, and you know the way but it's not going to happen if you don't directly ask some good questions and make them feel loved and cared for in that moment, okay? So I want everybody that comes in to be engaged for a ministry opportunity so that they can have that chance to connect with the Lord that way. And then after church, um, if you have time and if you're able, take people to lunch. You know, you bring a buddy Lunch is such a powerful time. Invite them to community group. Share with them what the Lord's done in your life through being a part of the church. Invite them to coffee. Go become Facebook friends with them. Engage them even more and continue to invite them in. We want people to leave feeling appropriately loved and cared for and welcomed into the family. Okay? Appropriately loved and cared for and welcomed into the family. Amen? So, the takeaway for today. We are the gate of heaven. We are the light, and we're supposed to be a bright light. We cannot be stopped by hell's gates when we choose to move forward. 
But we've got to stop being complacent and sitting still in one place. I think that comes from that thinking of, well, gosh, we have gates up and the enemy's trying to break down our gates. So we just sit and kind of wait and we don't have to worry, right? I think that's where some of that thinking comes in. But we've got to move forward. We've got to advance the kingdom. So we can't be stopped by hell's gates. We're called and created for good works. We're called to plunder the gates of hell. Jesus paid a mighty price for us. We need to get out there and go get the rewards that he is due. Will you commit to be a bright light? And will you regularly pray, ask, and bring as the Lord leads? And will you help grow this church and make it one of the brightest, warmest lighthouses and gates to heaven in all of Southwest Oklahoma City? Amen. You with me? Okay. Let's stand up together. If you can, hold your neighbor's hand. And you guys just agree with me as I pray. Lord, we repent and we say yes and amen. We don't want to be puny little lights. We want to be bright lights like you dream of us, like you commanded us to be. God, we want this church to be the friendliest, warmest, most inviting place in all of Oklahoma City. We want the doors of this church to be the largest open doors in all of Oklahoma City. We want this gate to be wide open to every person that we come in contact with, people we know, people we don't know. God, help our personal gates and help this corporate gate to be a wide open gate that is constantly moving forward, advancing the works of the kingdom of God on the earth, plundering the gates of hell, constantly on the lookout for places where the enemy is stolen, killed, and destroyed, and we get to bring those people back to life. We get to love those people well and connect them with you and bring the rewards that you are due. Help us, God, in every arena, in every way with this church, help us to get to that place. Because, God, we want to grow. We want to be a beautiful family that loves each other incredibly well. We want what you have deposited in this house to be spread across the entire region. Because we believe that there is a new thing happening in the church, and this church and many others, but there's a new thing happening, and we have hold of something beautiful and very special in the kingdom of God, and we want that influence to begin to spread all over. So God, help us. Help us. Correct us. Change us. Fix our hearts where we're calloused and we don't care to love people well. Fix our hearts, God. Teach us to be Philippians 2 type people that love other people even above our own needs or desires. Help us. God to love the way that heaven loves we just commit ourselves to you to looking and feeling and smelling and sounding like what you want us to like the church in heaven that's what we want to be here on the earth help us father we love you lord amen